blessed to be here with you, sister. Absolutely, absolutely. So great evening, everyone. Great evening, great afternoon, great morning. Come right on in. Come right on in wherever you may be joining us live, whether it's on Facebook in Broken Pieces to Peace, my private Facebook group or my personal Facebook group, or whether you're joining us on YouTube or any other social media outlets. Welcome, welcome, welcome to you. Come right on in. Come right on in. So we are so happy and grateful to have you take out time, time out of your day to spend this time with us. So welcome to you for episode number 18 of Who Wouldn't Serve a God Like This, where it is my mission, my goal, and my desire to share with the world the crisis that or the traumas right, that God has allowed to happen in our lives in those triggers or those defining moments that is or was used to strengthen our faith. And then, of course, those triumphs, mm. those triumphs or those victories that we've experienced to, above all, glorify God and to help others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I am so happy and so honored and so grateful to have none other than my featured guest today, none other than Rachel Harvey. Rachel is a transformational speaker, life coach, and author who specializes in equipping leaders for conflict management without avoidance, overwhelm, and burnout. Does anybody need some of that in their life? I believe it. Hey, that sounds like me. Amen. <laughs> All the overwhelm and burnout and all of that good stuff. She teaches leaders how to approach conflict in a way that serves not only themselves, but their business and families as well. So you can visit uh, Rachel on her Facebook for free weekly programs, check out her coaching program or her new book compilation for more ways to begin making fearless programs in your life today. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. So I just want to welcome you to my platform, Rachel. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation. I am so humble and so grateful to have you to share your uh, testimony with us today and to be, you know, here with us today. So thank you so much for joining us. Mm, thank you for building this platform because it's something that most of us need. And I know at various points in my life, the places that I could show up and have a conversation and learn and hurt with and heal with those around me, what you're building is so powerful. So thank you for doing that. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So first of all, I would like, uh, let's see, for those of you who have joined us in my private Facebook group, if you uh, make comments in the comment section, go ahead and give StreamYard permission to see your name so that we'll know who is commenting in the comment section. All right. So with that being said, Rachel, we see we know what uh, your bio says, right? But share with my audience, who is Rachel Harvey and what was that trauma or those traumas? that happened to you? Mm, such a big question, right? 
Yes. We all have that that bio, that statement, that who we are that sounds so clean and shiny and polished. Mm-hmm. And behind that is the very real, very messy, real human. Come and on. The more we can lead with that. I feel like the more we can realize that our messiness is normal and we can learn from it and grow from it. Mm-hmm. So I am like so many of us, wife, mother to three. I have about two decades worth of coaching experience and teaching experience. And all of that was ignited by the very trauma that I want to talk about today, um, which was unknowingly growing up with what we call a covert passive aggressive narcissist parent. Mm. And as a kid, number one, I wouldn't have known what a narcissist was if I had heard someone talk about it. But as an adult, things reached um, a a real big climax, not in a good way, of my whole family just falling apart. And we jumped in to learn. And the reality is, Mm -hmm. is for those that are in relationship with a narcissist, certainly we all have our stuff. No one is exempt. I'm not a perfect human. The rest of us in the family weren't perfect humans. But we were all unknowingly perpetuating cycles that you could see growing and getting deeper and bigger and heavier and just harder that in my early 30s, when I was 30, 31, I'm 35 now, all came to a head. And within a year's time, we went from a family that was having dinner together every Sunday with all the various kids and grandkids. We did holidays together, vacationing together. We were close as much as we could be with all of our baggage. Sure. We went from a close family doing the best we could to hold it together to all scattering to the four winds. And to this day, it's been almost four years and navigating the hurt, the struggle, Um, Yes, my parents ended up divorcing, which quite honestly, I wish they would have done for their own sake 30 years ago. Mm. Um, There were so many various things that happened and going through all of it certainly hasn't been easy, but learning about what does this look like? What were the cycles that we needed to stop? Where did we need boundaries, but boundaries with compassion, not with blame and shame that would Mm. create create another cycle of trauma. Um, Our situation's not perfect. I haven't had contact with my mother and going on almost four years. Wow. And this evening's a perfect example. My kids love to play games where they ask questions around the dinner table and we have to answer them without using the words and um, like or so. And my daughter, who's six, tonight says, mom, I really think we should say who the superheroes are in our lives, but not like movie superheroes, like real people that we actually know. Right. And as she said this and everyone's going around the table, I'm like, you know, for all of our stuff, it's still my mom. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it in a way that that's not full of hurt. That's not full of anything. Just thank you for, for shaping me, even though it's imperfect. And my 10 year old son said, it's definitely Mimi because she always knew how to spend time with me and I just really miss her. Mm. And it's those times that we have to hold space for that hurt. They don't know and see everything that we can see as adults. I've really tried hard to help them focus on the good parts Absolutely. while also understanding that that degree of, of separation is necessary for them. And it's not perfect, but I'm grateful 
because my goodness, the number of, of coaching clients that I've been able to connect and serve with because I learned how to communicate with a class A difficult narcissistic person wow. for 30 something years. If I had never had to develop that skill in order to survive at home, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I wouldn't wow. have the relationships. I wouldn't be stepping in and say, here I am, Lord, use me if we hadn't gone through all of that. Absolutely. So your message is so near and dear to my heart as to I know the ones that are showing up this week. We've all walked it mm -hmm. and we are banding together and saying, I see your broken pieces mm -hmm. and they're not only beautiful, but they're valuable mm -hmm. and they're what make you you. It's okay. You've got this. Keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for those uh, who don't know what that looks like, living with a narcissist mm -hmm. what what does that look like mm -hmm. what what is a narcissist yes because you know that that word is is prevalent these days yes. and yes. i you know i don't know about you but i didn't hear that mm -hmm. um, until probably the last 10 years or so mm -hmm. Yes. And so for those who don't know what it is, but have been hearing, you know, what a narcissist is, yes. kind of walk them through what that looks like. Yes. So I'm going to speak here on the two sectors that I know. The one is the co covert narcissist and then that paired with borderline personality disorder. And I think both of those are really important because I think we see it in varying degrees mm -hmm. in our lives a lot. And typically our bodies know that there's a problem, but we don't understand it. So there's no filing system for that subconscious, for that brain. So we unknowingly keep engaging in the same cycles, thinking maybe we can grow into the leader that we need to be to fix this relationship and really understanding both of these are important. Mm -hmm. So a narcissist essentially is someone that does not have an identified sense of self. And they're terrified that that is the case and are often running from that feeling instead of, I think most of us can say we've had some moment in our lives where we've had to sit and an uncomfortable feeling of not really knowing who we are. For a lot of us, that's when we latch out to, to faith. Mm -hmm. Lord, show me who I am in you. Help me to see me the way that you see me, et cetera. Yeah. And that journey is one that they're typically running from. Mm -hmm. So a regular narcissist mm -hmm. is outwardly, they tend to be more aggressive in talking about who they are, mm -hmm. how great they are, trying to validate to themselves that they're enough. But a covert narcissist follows a three-part process of love bombing, which means making you feel like you're the most valuable person in their lives and they could never exist without you, mm -hmm. followed by devaluing, which typically is when you start to see them enough that all of a sudden these words in the beginning that really enticed you, pulled you in, made you feel like they saw you mm -hmm. on a different level, um, all of a sudden, when you start to see them for who they really are, they go through a devaluing process. This is gaslighting, manipulation, mm. um, a cycle called, I love this one. I hate it because I've been in it too many times, but the name of it's hysterical. It's called flying monkeys, which is 
if you think about the Wicked Witch of the West, her monkeys were never hurt by anyone. They never had a bad experience with anyone, but they were taking on the hurt of the Wicked Witch of the West and going and doing her bidding. So when we go to someone and we say, that Pamela, you better watch out for her. And they've never known you, seen you, or spoken to you. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, your name is written down in their little black book because I put it there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the case of flying monkeys. Wow. And when I learned that, it's so easy to see when someone else is doing that to you and to grab your, your staff and say, this is unfair. But how many times do we all do that? How many times do we talk about our hurts? We talk about our wounds and we want someone to validate for them, validate them for us. We want someone to say, man, that is garbage. They did hurt you. We all unknowingly perpetuate this cycle of flying monkeys emotion. Mm -hmm. So I started implementing the rule of I will never make a judgment on someone that I have not had personal experience with. Wow. And that's absolutely hard. And within our family, I was in that position of this hurt person and this per hurt person would both come to me and vent because they saw me as safe space, but they both felt that I was in that behavior validating them. Wow. And then they wanted to wield that emotion against each other. And it was like, this has got to stop. Mm -hmm. I can't be anybody's flying monkey anymore. Mm. But so we have the love bombing, we have the devaluing, and then the next step, if you more or less don't fall in line with what it is that they're trying to do, which is validate themselves, mm -hmm. is they get rid of you. Mm. And that is hard. Some people go through it with a partner. Um, I went through it with my parent, where as we began to identify and say, here are the boundaries, I love you, I'm going to show up for you, but you can't talk about that person like this in front of me. I can't take up your cross when they haven't hurt me. When we started to set what would be considered healthy boundaries, mm -hmm. the discard took about 5.5 seconds. Wow. And that was hard to be at peace with. That was so hard to say, Lord, I can't fix this. And the more mm -hmm. I try to fix it, the more I'm creating a larger wake of more hurt people. Absolutely. So that cycle of love bombing, devaluing, and discarding, it shows up as the person that has experienced it in all different ways. To this day, it's very hard for me to accept a compliment because it's, mm -hmm. that's my first protection mechanism on, is this genuine? I don't know. Oh. I'm not really sure. Um, my body reacts far more than my heart does. I'm very quick to get red spots. Like it's not difficult for my body to get into a heightened state of awareness. Mm -hmm. But, but it has served me more than it has broken me. Wow. So that three part process of love bombing, devaluing, discarding, the only way to win is to not play the game mm. and it's hard and that takes a different shape in everyone's different lives but the second front that we were dealing with is borderline personality disorder and there's a book that's called i hate you don't mm -hmm. leave me 
that in one line sums up life with someone with borderline. So you take these two things that are mirrored very closely that present slightly different. Borderline fear of, of abandonment is huge, but mm -hmm. they will often create their own self-fulfilling fear prophecy there. And for me, what I started to do was start taking a deep, deep dive on what are the roots of all of this? Mm -hmm. Where does it start? What exactly. does it look like at the starting point in our lives with our kids exactly. and our partnerships and our marriages? And at the root of all of it, I found fear. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the more we make decisions based on fear, I watched this beautiful, vibrant, like my mom is a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> she is a strong woman who is skilled in so many different areas. But I watched from prob probably eight, nine, 10 years old. I remember registering that something was off. And what it was, was decisions that I were seeing, I was seeing being made out of fear. And mm -hmm. the kid brain goes, something's not right here. Mm -hmm. But now I can look back and pinpoint the points on the road of, that was a decision out of fear and look at where it led. Wow. It's simple as what conversations we need to have. That's what we're working on in fearless progress is doing a deep dive on ourselves personally, but also how are we having conversations and communicating because that builds connection that either moves us forward, but the more we operate in fear, the more we disconnect. That for me is where all of these traumas were born. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the thing about fear is I even, you know, say it all the time. Fear has two other meanings. You know, we typically say is false evidence appearing real. Yeah. But I recently read that it fear had two other meanings. Yeah. We can face everything and rise or we can forget everything and run. Yes. Yes. Amen. So a choice. Yes. Forget and everything and run yeah. or face everything and rise. Yes. And that, that choice is where we like to hide. That Absolutely. choice is where we think we're making a personal decision that's not affecting anyone else. Absolutely. And that's my plea, my message, our decree is you don't know how your decision to move in fear today is going to rob you and your family of who you're supposed to be in 20 or 30 years. Mm. These, these things don't just happen. They don't just happen. It's, I had said to my husband one day, it was a rough day. And um, I gave him a big hug in the kitchen at the end of the day. And I just said, how did two people that were trying so hard to get it right end up getting it so wrong? Mm. And he said, honey, because it's a journey of a thousand steps and it's easy to correct when you catch it at, when you take one or two off course, but when you don't correct those one or two and you keep going, there you go. Wow. Wow. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. A journey of a thousand steps. Mm -hmm. He's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. <laughs> That's good. That's real good. I think we can take some notes on that one. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So let's 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 
look at some of the traumas mm-hmm. okay? so living with uh, in a in a situation uh, in the middle mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. When did you realize it, mm-hmm. and when were where were the triggers where God was trying to get your attention to, you know, help you to realize what was going on. Mm. Yeah. So um, my parents always had a very combustible relationship. And I remember being little, I was the youngest and I was kind of, oh, it's such a blessing. (laughs) I actually wouldn't trade it. I know it, honey. (laughs) The golden child. Here we yes. go. <laughs> yes. Um, I I remember evenings like they tried hard not to fight in front of us, so they'd fight after they put us to bed. And my bedroom was right at the top of the stairway at the back of the house, so mm. I could hear everything. And I remember sometimes sitting at the top of the stairway and be like, "I'm just gonna run down there and tell them to stop fighting, and then maybe they'll know that like this is affecting everybody." Mm-hmm. And I look back on that and I'm like, oh, there's there's a whole therapy session to unpack right there. But um, you realize that pattern of absorbing the emotions of everything around you and thinking, what can I do to stop this? And I was probably in my early 20s. I was very close with my parents. When we got married, we got married very young. We had an apartment in the basement of their home, which I was so grateful for. It allowed us both to go to school, to get our degrees, to really get on our feet. Um, But we were in the middle of that all the time. Mm. And I remember realizing in my early 20s that no matter how much I was trying to help, it was getting worse. And then it started to leak and spill over not only between my parents, but between my siblings. Mm. No matter what and no matter who I was trying to serve, it always was worse, not better. The fights would be made bigger. You would try to understand somebody's point of view, but then also help them see from the other side. But then in the next argument, they're taking your words and wielding them like a weapon. And you're like, that's not what we were trying to do. Absolutely. It was getting worse. And I remember at one point, this was in that year of transformation of everything Mm -hmm. really getting gross. Um, My mom and my sister had had a big falling out. Like, I didn't know if they were ever going to speak to each other again, kind of falling out. And I was just trying to say forgiveness is the only way through this. If you guys can't forgive, you're going to keep bleeding all over all of us. And at that point, it's the responsibility of you're not bleeding on my family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have broad shoulders. I can handle this. I love you and I am here for you. But here's the line. And for those that are behind me, that's not going to happen. And I remember dropping my daughter off at daycare and just driving, listening to worship music to work, feeling like, Lord, what do I do? And clear as day, he gave me a vision. I've never had this happen before of a big cage Mm. with something in it. And he said, I have to cut the rope off of you so I can attach it on to me. Wow. And I remember that day thinking, but if I give you the rope, how do I know you're not going to drop it? 
Wow. If I give you the rope, how do I know you're going to do everything in your power to try to pull back in? And that was the moment for me of massive surrender. Mm. Uh, I'm giving this to you and I'm asking you for it. I'm saying, please heal these relationships. Please, please show us reconciliation. And I'm going to be 100% transparent and say, I haven't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. It's been four years. And it may be 14, it may be 40, it may not be in this lifetime. But what I do know is that when we finally surrendered, Mm -hmm. the problems didn't go away. Mm -hmm. The people didn't change, but the peace was almost immediate. Wow. And that is, I mean, who wouldn't serve a God like that, that can take absolute turmoil. Mm -hmm. And that's that peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Surrender. Amen. That's, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. And so with those triggers and then the triumph. Mm. Yeah. Yes. We can give God the glory. Yes. Yes. And the glory. Amen. Because he's working. He's working. Amen in every situation at at doesn't matter how and what it looks like mm-hmm. yes it's working and, yes. and we can either go one way or go the other way and see how long you want to stay in that yes yes and that's the the dual sides of this so in this Season of transition and surrender. A very good friend of mine, she sent me a song. It's called Seasons. And um, there's a line in there that says, um, oh gosh, of course, I, I just had it and then boom, it's going to be gone. But it says, God, if you're not done working, then I am not done waiting. Oh, mm-hmm. oh um, you're the God of seasons and I'm just in a winter. And the reality is, is in winter, everything appears to be dead. Yes. Still, things aren't moving, aren't changing. It's cold. It's dark. It can feel very alone. But we wouldn't have the beautiful vegetation that we have in the summer if we didn't have the season of winter. Absolutely. We just don't know how long it lasts. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's a word right there. Mm, yes. <laughs> that's a word right yes. there. Yes. That's a whole sermon on mm. season. Amen. Amen. And sitting with that mm-hmm. and saying, okay, Lord, unpack it for me. I am such mm-hmm. a teacher. Carolyn's here. That makes my heart happy. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Um you know, there's, there's so many sermons that we have heard. I love to learn. I love to listen and take notes and journal and write down and unpack and chew on and stir, you name it. it. But you realize I'm listening to man's interpretation more than I'm listening to you. Mm. What do you want me to hear here? Absolutely. What do you want me to see? Guide me, please. And some of that is that he's going to put the right men and women in your path and the right books and the right podcasts and the right people and programs. But it also means the willingness to sit 
with the discomfort, sink down and say, what is it that you're trying to show me here? Mm -hmm. And that is usually when he will begin to move. Absolutely. So the, the triggers and the triumphs, I believe that that's a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. I've got triggers, strong language in an argument. You start calling names, I'm out. I'm pushing pause and saying, when you're ready to calm down and come back to finding a solution, I will be here and I am happy for, I will, I'm happy to be here. But if you speak to me one more time that way, this conversation is done. Absolutely. And being able to say it exactly like that. Gosh, that took me probably three years. That's a beautiful thing. That's an art. It is. <laughs> That's it an is. art. And yes. I'm telling you that that takes a lot of, of faith and and God stepping in a lot of prayer mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that that's a beautiful thing you know yes. the workmanship that goes along with all that and yes. then on the other side yes yes and on the other side it's things like for so long mm -hmm. our marriage was built around moving away from what we didn't want mm -hmm. but as so many of us mm -hmm. have learned then you're still focused on what you don't want and taking the foundations of, okay, we're changing our communication patterns. We are not driving in fear. That is a daily conversation in our household between us and between our kids. Whoa, that's fear showing up. We don't play that. Let's flip it into love. Oh, that's good. We call each other higher. That's good. When I hear my kids asking that to each other. I'm like, Lord, I might not get everything right. But you did that, that one. If you can do that, you can do anything. <laughs> exactly. That is huge. And that you, comes from rearing. That did just that just didn't come. You know, that that came from the root. <laughs> and that would have happened if we had a comfortable parenting situation. Absolutely. That that fruit wouldn't be there if we didn't have to go through the burning down of everything to bring new life up yeah. through. So do I long for the day that that relationship is restored? Yes. Is it a constant process of going through like a very big trigger for me is when there's no mutual um, what's the word that I'm looking for? When there's not a mutual value of I see you, you see me, how do we get through this together? Right. Because in, in a relationship with a narcissist, like you just a pawn in their game and they don't always know it and you don't always know it. So mm -hmm. sometimes when I'm dealing with people that are not narcissists, they're mm -hmm. not. They just haven't worked on personal development and they're not super self-aware and they're just kind of going through life doing their thing. As those feelings come up for me, it's the immediate, ooh, why am I feeling this? Mm -hmm. What's the root? The root is the reality is something that happened 20 years ago, not something that happened today. This person is not the same mm -hmm. as the person that I have interacted with before. What do I know about them and how can I communicate this in a way that brings us both higher to, to think your way through everything on that level? There are days that I'm like, 
Lord Jesus, if you could just wipe all of this knowledge from my brain and I could go back to unknowing, right. that would be great. <laughs> oh, you don't want that? Oh, no. you do not want that at all. No. You don't want that. But mm. I, I, I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. Yes. But working your way through, it's like each day you're given the small tests that all lead up to the big ones. And to me, triggers are growth opportunities. Mm -hmm. It's those small moments every day where he's saying, do you hear me? Will you do it? Do you hear me? Will you do it? And it's in those small moments that those little triumphs all lead up to the big one Absolutely. of writing a book or standing on a stage, giving a talk that you never thought you would have the strength to have Absolutely. or staying completely calm in the middle of a marital storm, being able to find the solution when previously you both would have just imploded, imploded and it never would have gone anywhere. It's all those small things every day. So mm -hmm. it's not easy, but the peace that comes to me, the triumph comes in the try. Showing up and trying with what you have shown me. This is how I believe I can best apply it here. And you're going to look back and go, mm, I still didn't get it right. I could still do this better. Maybe I oh, should try you, this next time. He's going he gonna to bring it back to you if you fail that test. Amen. If you fail that test, Amen. you will continue to get those tests. Yes. And until you pass those tests, mm -hmm. then and only then we be promoted. <laughs> and not always in our time. Absolutely. 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 Mm. Absolutely. Yes. My God. Yes. That's good. <laughs> that is good. That is good. 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 Mm. So as we uh, wrap up, do you have anything else that you would like to share? Hmm. I would love to leave with everybody. When we first started learning about all of this, um, I was doing a deep dive in scripture and my faith and all of those things. And we started to go to therapy. And I remember our therapist saying to us, <laughs> I will never forget this day. He said, girls, I'm praying that I'm wrong, but I believe you probably need to start grieving your mom as if she's no longer here. And I remember that day saying, who do you think you are? You're supposed to be a Christian counselor. You're supposed to be in healing and reconciliation and all these things. Like, I know this is not pretty, but she's just difficult. And I had a major resistance to learning about what it was that he was trying to show us because I felt like he was giving up on her before she even started. Wow. He ended up being right. Wow. He ended up being 100% right. And... I think that if I had started doing some learning earlier on, I probably could have found that peace point a bit faster mm -hmm. and turned it over to faith and released and realized what was not in my power. So for those of you that are going through difficult relationships right now, maybe all of a sudden you're seeing the pattern of love bombing, devaluing, discarding. Maybe I hate you, don't leave me. If you're like me, just reading that title, I felt like I was going to dissolve into a pile of tears because I realized there's so much here that I don't know. And that one phrase summed up 30 years of complete 
unawareness. So number one, you're not alone. You are not alone. And you are likely doing so very much to try to do your part. And it's okay to set it down for a period of time and say, Lord, what do you want? How is this showing up? How do you want to serve with this scenario in other places in my life? What are you trying to teach me? Absolutely. But that piece, it's not a myth. It's not a fallacy. It's not something that we just talk about because it sounds good. When we finally reach the breaking point of, I can't do this anymore. And we finally turn it over. That peace is going to come like a wave that will wash you clean in a way that you can't yet imagine right now. Mm-hmm. So if you are there, I want you to know I love you. I am praying for you. I may not know you by name, but I know you by spirit, and I am calling your name. Mm. And your peace is coming. Amen. It's coming. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's good. That is good, good, good. I didn't ask, but I, I want to know what was, where did you get your spiritual background? And where did that come in? Was it in your home? Your your parents mm-hmm. was uh, had that gave you that spiritual background because you know now you're such a powerful woman of God, and I just love your spirit. I know everybody can feel your spirit. Mm. And um, where did that spiritual background come? And was it always there? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it came from home. And um, my parents raised us in the Christian faith. I remember being probably three or four and standing in church. My dad's a big guy. He's six, seven. He's super tall. I'm very tall. I get this from my daddy. I remember standing and looking up. He had his arms up while he was praising and being like, Dad, why do people do that? Why do they raise their hands? And he said, well, honey, you know, when you raise your hands up to me and say, daddy, uppy, mm. want me to pick you up and you want to feel held. That's kind of what it's, what we're doing when we put our hands in the air. And I remember like as fast as fast could be shooting my hands up. I didn't really know and understand the Holy spirit, the this, the that, but I could feel it. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is now that's one of the things that, oh my gosh, you want to see me collapse into a pile in 2.2 seconds watching my daughter during worship. Like wow. the girl just has all the feels. <laughs> and it's wow. like, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do here, but thank you for giving her that gift. So thank the feeling part of faith has mm-hmm. always been a part of me. And, you know, for a long time, there was a lot of, cynicism and critical about, you know, crazy Christians and those that want to wield their faith like a weapon. And I listened to a lot of noise in my family over the years that you realize that's a, that's their own personal struggle. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, you think, I don't want to be naive. I don't want to just take everything hook, line and sinker. So for me, the faith, the feeling was always there, but really delving deep into the the spiritual side and maturing that with learning and getting around um, community, 
really has been over the last five years. And mm -hmm. the Lord has been so strategic of all things, who is now the head pastor of our church, came and joined our gym. And it was right down the street from our gym wow. when we owned it. And I remember that day saying, if I'm convicted about him showing up, I got to get my rear end plugged in. Like we've been out in the weeds long enough. It's time for us to start showing up. And lo and behold, we went to church that Sunday and like half of our gym was in attendance at this church and we didn't even know it. What? <laughs> they started coming here because of all of this connection between the church and the gym. It was such a weird God moment. But it's been a blessing in so, so many ways. He struck my, my hubby doesn't have a ton of personal friends and wow. they've struck up a friendship and have coffee once a week and are reading books and talking like things that I never, ever, ever thought I would see in a million years. Wow. And that's what happens. That all came after the point of surrender. Wow. That all came of, I'm sick of declaring that you're real in my life, yet mm -hmm. I'm not showing up and doing my part. So what does this, this mean? And he just came and poured new life and new relationship. That was like, how did we wait this long? Wow. That now, like, that's what we talk about with our kids. I don't make them memorize Bible verses. We say, Hey, did you see that? That's the spirit on the move. Don't miss it. <laughs> that's a God moment right there. Did you see that? Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. In action. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I absolutely. love it. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. well, Rachel, this has been amazing. Mm -hmm. amazing. Amazing. And Appreciate as we wrap up, I have three questions that I ask my guests. Yes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So you know that um, the name of the show is Who Wouldn't Serve a God Like This? Mm -hmm. And I have a private Facebook group, Broken Pieces to Peace. Mm -hmm. And what are you, first question, what are you most grateful for? Mm. Hands down, faith. Faith, because anything that I could tell you, whether it's the relationships in my life or what, what's happening in my family or what we're doing professionally, none of it. None of it would exist without that moment of complete surrender and any doubt or fear or worry that we had on what would happen on the other side of the surrender. I'm so grateful for the way that he has shown up in our lives and everything else is a mm -hmm. byproduct of that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Great answer. <laughs> Second question. What is your definition of peace? Mm, my definition of peace is the quiet place where you can hear the voice of the creator. Mm -hmm. mm, mm, that's good. That's real good. I like that. Mm. I like that. And third question is, what are, the, what are some of the things that you do on a daily basis to maintain your sense of peace? whether it's daily rituals or some things that you would like to recommend and share with our audience today that will help them get on the path 
of letting go of their broken pieces and uh, move into a life of peace? Mm, this is a big question. <laughs> Take your time. Honey. Yeah. <laughs> so my recommendation when you are starting a journey to peace is you have to allow it to be a journey of layers because you're going to hear things like praise and worship, listen to a podcast, journaling, exercise, eating healthier, sleeping enough every night, drinking enough water. Every single one of those is true. But what often happens is we say, that's it. I can no longer do this the way I've been doing it. We jump in, we try to do all of it. And within 30 to 60 days, we're doing none of it. And we're reverting back to the noisy space where we're trying to numb with different coping mechanisms and back into the cycle we go. So for me, the place that I started was working on my physical health and learning I, at the time I was fighting type two diabetes and I mm -hmm. remember saying, I have to treat exercise every day. Like I do brushing my teeth. Absolutely. There's not a day that goes by and you say, Oh, I don't, I don't think so. We all understand if we do not take care of this, you have 18 hours mm -hmm. until cavities start forming. So if you don't want that to happen, you got to brush them every day. If there were dishes in the sink, still going out for a walk. If the laundry wasn't folded, still showing up to my exercise class. Mm. As that became a habit, then I started finding when the noises up here got too loud, I had to redirect them. So the next habit was either praise and worship music or something to learn from, mm -hmm. which would give me tangible one-liners to keep saying over and over again, um, or songs on replay, like you're a god of seasons and I'm just in a winter. Mm. That came from a season of trying to quiet the noise in here and saying, I know this is the truth. I'm going to listen to it over and over again until I can stand on it. Absolutely. Listening to audio scripture. Like, there's so many different ways that you can go. So all of those are important. You need to clear time to make space for you. And I know for me right now, our daily habit looks like we get up, we make the coffee. I sit down and do my scripture reading. I try to journal something about the application from that because otherwise I read it, I move on and it doesn't sink in. Mm -hmm. So my journaling is just what does that mean and what do I need to, how am I applying that today? What mm -hmm. does that look like while I'm going on about my day? And at the beginning of each week, my husband and I sit down and we build in our workout schedule just like we would any other appointment. Mm -hmm. And we have healthy eating. And if we go a week where we're on vacation and we're not doing our reading and we're not moving, moving is how you process stress out of your body. Wow. So how you move is completely up to you and what you love to do and what gives you that sense of peace. But if we go too long without it, everything starts to bog down. For me, it's internal noise. For my husband, it feels like weight on him. He starts to physically feel heavy. Mm -hmm. So noting what does it feel like when I'm not at my place of peace and what habit can start helping me with that quickly. There's no wrong way to go about it. You may totally decide that reading and journaling is where you need to start and exercise is a down the road habit for you. Mm -hmm. You may be ready to go start wielding sledgehammers and taking a boxing class tomorrow. There's no wrong way. 
but taking it in layers and beginning to know what it feels like when you're more peaceful and what you start to feel when you sacrifice those routines and it becomes a self-correcting because you want to be in that place of peace because that's where you're most powerful. That's when he can use you. That's when you're a conduit without any blockages that he can plant you where you want you. And it's just like pure electricity shooting out to those around you that need it. But it, it becomes a self-correcting process instead of I have to because so-and-so said I should. Absolutely. 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 That's good. That was good. I love Carolyn. Love you, Carolyn. <laughs> yes so this has been so rich so rich so rich and if you want to connect with rachel harvey go to fearlessprogress.com or you can connect with her on facebook at facebook forward slash fearless progress forward slash are there any other um social media platforms where you are where they can find you or email website yes yep so if you um are on instagram we're at fearless.progress okay and email you can reach me hello at fearlessprogress.com every day that's me not an assistant or a bot so if you, if you need anything absolutely send us a message there love it love it love it and any great events coming up or books yes yeah yes i am so excited to be releasing the very first published work that these hands have ever typed. So I am a part of the book called Ignite the Hunger in You, which is a compilation, which means all the um, authors each write one chapter featuring Les Brown and Ignite Publishing House. The purpose of the book is to reignite those sparks in your heart that have probably gone out. Maybe it's been a long time since you've even considered them. Maybe you don't even know if they're still there. Mm. The thing I love about this book is that each chapter is written from a different perspective. And each chapter has action steps, simple, simple action steps that wow. you can take to start reigniting the hunger in your life to become everything that you were created to be. So that book is officially releasing December 5th and 6th. You can get it on pre-order right now, Ignite the Hunger in You. And we have a summit coming up the first week of December, ignitethehungerinyou.com. Mm -hmm. And if you go to any of our social media platforms, et cetera, we're going to be starting. I'm so excited. Copy arrives tomorrow. Be promoting, sharing links. We've got the tickets for the summit, and the book is just a dollar ninety nine to pre order a digital copy and get going right now. Yes, 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 yes. So make sure you get registered for the event coming up, which is Ignite the Hunger in You. And so you go to www.ignitethehungerinyou.com. And that's going to be December the 9th and 10th, correct? Yes, it is. And there's an opportunity to win a one-on-one -on -one with Les Brown on there. Coaching session. Mm -hmm. An hour. I believe it's an hour coaching session, too. It's yes. 
our coaching session with Les Brown. So make sure you get registered for that event for December 9th and 10th. We're Les Brown, the one and only. Our coach and mentor will be the keynote speaker and publisher, J.B. Owen herself. Yes. I love it, love it, love it. That is going to be awesome. I'm super excited about that. That is going to be amazing. Thank you. It's going to be amazing. So I'm super excited about that. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience today? No, I just want to say thank you for showing up. Thank you for being willing to explore your broken pieces and keep going because he is creating something beautiful with it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of Who Wouldn't Serve a God Like This? Make sure you join me in the morning as we read the Bible, the whole Bible in 365 days, 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and 4 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And then join me next week for another episode of Who Wouldn't Serve a God Like This, where I will have another phenomenal, phenomenal guest. And so with that, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. Thank you all so much for joining us. Bye for now. Bye.